Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine, on a pretty traumatic time in our nation's history. We have um, now faced 200,000, more than 200,000 Americans officially dead by the coronavirus. 200,000 Americans whose deaths were almost entirely preventable. Let's just say at least 99% of them were preventable. 200,000 Americans that would have been alive today had the person who was supported by most Americans, Hillary Clinton, been president of the United States. Donald Trump and his Republican Party have killed 200,000 innocent Americans, and the death toll is just beginning. It's likely to be 300,000 or more by the end of the year. How many Americans have died and will die because of the Republicans' lust for power? How much does the GOP truly hate democracy? Didn't used to be true. Used to be there were two parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, and they would fight over ideas, but both of them believed in the United States of America. Both of them believed that we, the people of the United States of America, should be in charge of our country. 155 years ago or so, President Abraham Lincoln gave his famous Gettysburg Address. He ended that address by asking that we all resolve that this nation shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Our republic, government by the people, for the people, when on life support, the moment Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg drew her last breath, we will officially have an end to our democratic republic one week before election day. So what am I talking about? What do I mean? What do you mean you're, you're I mean, sure, we've had bad president, bad Senate. What are, you, what are you talking about, the end of the republic? Well, think about what a republic is. Think about what democracy is. Thomas Jefferson wrote that in the Declaration of Independence, that a democracy is a republic, is government by the consent of the governed. That the only fair and just way that men, and he was only talking about men at the time, but the only fair and just way that men constitute government is to do so by and with the consent of the governed. Never, in American history have we had less consent of the governed, at least since we kept allowed blacks and women to vote. Now, it's true, at the time of the Declaration of Independence, it was white men with property. And no doubt, most of the Republican Party want to go back to those days. But at least white men with property could vote, and the most votes were counted, and the person with the most votes won. Or if they didn't, at least the Congress was controlled by the people with the most votes. And later on, the property restrictions went away. 
and then women were given the right to vote in the 20s and blacks were finally given the right to vote in the 1960s. But we have never before in American history had a president who won after losing dramatically the popular, popular vote. The people, remember, rejected Donald Trump. More than three million Americans preferred Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. That used to be uncommon. And now you're like, oh, okay, Mark's just ranting about the Electoral College. Well, I am ranting about the Electoral College. It's true that I believe in a democracy. I believe in a consent of the governed. I believe that the only just government is one where the majority of the people, we the people, get to determine who our leaders are. I believe, as Abraham Lincoln did, in government by the people, for the people, of the people. But, of course, that's happened now twice in the last uh, 20 years. In fact, uh, do your math, you'll find that Democrats have won six out of the last seven presidential elections. George Bush barely won one in 2004. So, okay, the president was rejected by the American people. He's illegitimate. But what about Congress? Well, the House is represented by Democrats right now. But due to Republican gerrymandering, it's a much smaller majority than we would have if we had fair districts. And we know that both parties gerrymander, but we should also know that Republicans gerrymander at far greater numbers than the Democrats do and always have. The Democrats gerrymandered Maryland and squeezed out one more congressional seat. That's true. The Republicans gerrymandered Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina. Those are just the ones, Wisconsin. Those are just the ones off the top of my head. They've gerrymandered 30, 40 seats that the people of America didn't choose, that the people of their states didn't choose. But merely by playing with the rules, by manipulating the system, they were able to get more seats in the House they otherwise would have. It's only because dramatically more Americans prefer Democrats over Republicans that we have the majority we have in the House. The United States Senate, of course, is worse. Democrats represent some 55 to 60 percent of the American people in the United States Senate. Republicans represent about 40 percent. But Republicans have a majority in the Senate. Now, again, that's by design. It's in our Constitution, two senators for every state. But it's worth noting that the Senate, like the president, has been rejected by the American people. It's kind of like apartheid, right? Under South Africa's system of laws, only the white people could vote. And you could say it's a just system because according to the laws of South Africa, the white people got their rights. And according to the Constitution as currently crafted, the President of the United States, having been rejected by the American people, is still president. And the United States Senate, having been rejected by the American people, is still, is still Senate. It's still running it. But until now, until a week before Election Day, we have never had a Supreme Court also chosen by a minority of the American people in both the executive and legislative branches. Never. In fact, prior to Donald Trump's election, there have been presidents that were chosen by a uh, minority, um, by a minority of the people. Prior to George W. Bush, 
there were there was John Quincy Adams, Benjamin Harrison, um, and uh, uh, Whitford B. Hayes. But in those three examples, you'll find that their Supreme Court picks were all picked by a supermajority of the Senate, 80, 90 percent of the Senate, representing a majority of the American people. So they were legitimate. They were if, if the United Nations were to come down and examine the American elections, apart from the fact they didn't include women, <laughs> they didn't include black people, which is pretty big. But at least among the whites who could vote, like apartheid South Africa, they were legitimate. When did we stop getting legitimate members of the court? Well, when George W. Bush became president, right? He was elected by a minority and his senators were elected by a minority. But it got much, much worse under Donald Trump. In Donald Trump's two justices so far, Gorsuch and, and Kavanaugh, clearly the president was solidly rejected by the American people. At least it was 500,000 votes in, in, in Bush. It was 3 million with Hillary Clinton and the Senate has never represented a smaller proportion because at least back in the Bush years, you had the filibuster. So you had to get a 60 vote margin. So, so at least in those days, um, you had to get some bipartisan support. So now we have those two justices, Bush's two justices, and may she rest in peace with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We are likely to have a majority of the court, five justices, none of whom represent the American people, all of them put there undemocratically. Now, I know that Republicans don't care about that. They don't give a damn about democracy. Democracy isn't important to Republicans. The Republic isn't important to Republicans. They just want raw power. I get it. But do most Americans even see that? Before we get into the fact that Donald Trump has been bragging that he doesn't care how many people die so long as he gets elected. And by the way, that includes his own supporters, right? When a conservative Republican who works for Vice President Pence says that she heard Trump say repeatedly that he doesn't like those disgusting people, his own supporters. He doesn't like touching them and shaking their hands but he doesn't care if they die as long as he gets his rallies. We'll get her exact quote for you coming up after the break. But we know they don't care about the American people. We know they don't care about loyalty to the American government as they consort with dictators. But now it should be clear that the Republican Party is a threat to democracy itself. It's not gonna get easier between now and November. We'll be back with more after this. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now. He's a full price scholar. 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. The death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg left me shaken, numb, grasping for air. I thought she was indomitable. She'd beaten cancer four times. She was an icon, a hero, a legend. 
Her brilliance was staggering. Her compassion endless. In her tiny, fragile frame lay all of our hopes and dreams. Yet I, with misplaced confidence in all that is good, ridiculously believed that her fierce desire to live and to make our country a land of equality and justice for all somehow had the power to conquer death itself, at least for a few more months. I was sadly, terribly wrong. The notorious RBG is gone. She took her last breaths at the very last moments of the Jewish year 5780, a truly dreadful year, a year that, thank God, is over. But her legacy remains with us as we enter 5781. Ruth Bader Ginsburg taught men at the highest levels of power, and they were all men in those days that she began her crusade, that gender, like race, is a construct, that the differences between men and women have been magnified by culture and centuries of unquestioned belief into ridiculous stereotypes, that gender roles confined women and men into prisons of conformity and put hurdles in the way of our individual pursuits of happiness. She taught us that women could be the best lawyers and have the finest legal minds. She taught us that men could be the kindest parents and caregivers. She taught us that the government had no business forcibly assigning any of us into our designated slots. She taught us that we are all human, that those who would forcibly delineate male or female roles for us were as damaging to human freedom as the radical authoritarian states that would choose our professions for us. RBG gave us freedom, the power to be ourselves. It is impossible to imagine the world we now live in without her, a world where women are taken seriously, where we have a female speaker of the Virginia House of Delegates, where I, as an openly gay man, am regularly criticized as I should be for my thoughts, my words, and my deeds, but virtually never any longer for my sexual orientation. I have a transgender colleague, Delegate Danica Rome, who serves well and ably, and with the gender of her birth being an afterthought. We now have a world where people with different physical and mental abilities are valued more for their humanity than their differences, at least by the majority of Americans. I recognize our president doesn't recognize their humanity. Even religious faith, the ability to talk about our religious faith, is no longer seen as much as a barrier to our success. But in honor, I have a connected affinity to Justice Ginsburg, who's not only the first woman to lie in state in the history of the United States and is lying in state right now in the rotunda, but the first Jewish person to lie in state.
at the time she first tried to work, she was rejected for being a woman, for being Jewish. Today, I think more Americans, again, with the exception of Donald Trump and his supporters, recognize that whatever religious faith you have, or non-religion, atheists and agnostics, that we have a lot more in common as Americans than the beliefs which divide us. I know we're not quite there yet. We obviously still face gender and racial and ethnic and religious and socioeconomic inequalities and prejudices. And yes, under the current president, the inequality has been magnified. He openly attacks those who've been traditionally disparaged, right? Women, minorities, immigrants, those with disabilities. He attacks and his supporters attack fellow Americans with a passion and fervor not seen since Ruth Bader Ginsburg began her career in the 1950s when she was first in her class, but unemployable because nobody wanted a lady lawyer. Our world is shaken, but that doesn't mean we should despair. There's no time to despair. There is work to be done. We must all act with resolve and with confidence. Would the notorious RBG have tolerated a bunch of us moping at her loss? I think she'd appreciate all the crowds who are gathering right now in Washington, D.C., just across the river from me, to mourn her lying in state. But she wouldn't tolerate us moping for long, not for a moment. Remember, this is the same justice who issued a Supreme Court ruling from the bench the very day after losing the love of her life, her husband of 56 years, Marty Ginsburg, a man who sincerely believed in gender equality long before it became a commonplace idea. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was indomitable. Maybe that's why I thought she would live forever or at least a few more months. Few of us have the mental or physical fortitude of this tiny giant. I don't call on any of us to mirror her brilliance, her strength, her greatness. With a few exceptions like Thurgood Marshall, yeah, that's impossible. We can't come close to matching that. But ancient Talmudic wisdom comes to mind. As our rabbis wrote thousands of years ago, it is not your responsibility to complete the work of perfecting our world, but you are required to do your part. Let us all resolve in her name, in her honor, in her legacy, and in her blessed memory to redouble our efforts to finish the job she set out to do. She gave us a fantastic head start, but now she is gone. The baton is at our feet. Pick it up. Run. We'll be right back after this. He's a Fulbright scholar, and he speaks French, but he couldn't tell you who won the Super Bowl. It's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275.
He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is gone. And it's easy to despair, just like it was easy to despair the night Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election. But due to the quirks of our system, what's not allowed to take power. It's easy to despair as the Republicans do their best to pack the court yet again, violating centuries of rules put in place to ensure fairness, whether it's ending the filibuster uh, that used to be around for Supreme Court justices, getting rid of so-called blue slips, uh, that and that allowed home state senators to have a role in, in choosing Supreme Court justices, or, yes, packing the court, uh, making up new rules, such as that in the last year of a presidency, you can't appoint new justices, even if the election is 10 months away, and then changing them when the election is a month away, because, let's face it, it's about raw lust for power. As we watch... Republicans dismantle our democracy. We have to sincerely ask, how many more Americans will they kill before we get out in the streets? How many have they killed already? Well, just from COVID-19, we know they've killed at least 200,000. Now, I know what you're going to say, Mark, Mark, you know, Trump didn't start the virus. That's true. That's true. We got the virus the same day South Korea did. And their population is one sixth ours. And they've had, I think now, slightly over 300 deaths. So multiply it by six and say that if we had a competent president, 2,000 Americans still would have died. That's a lot. That's two thirds of 9 11. But we're already at 202. Or. 67 times 9-11. And that's not all, folks. I remember when Trump first said that 100 to 240,000 Americans could die. And I remember saying right here on this radio show that I thought he was just trying to scare people and give these maximum numbers so that uh, we would feel better when only 30 or 40 or 50,000 Americans died. 10 or 15 times 9-11. I was wrong. I underestimated the president's monstrosity. And for that, I apologize. I think many Americans have been underestimating the president's monstrosity and corruption and lack of care for ordinary Americans. Well, for a long time. Anyone who could ever believe in this president, you have to think, is somewhat mentally ill themselves, given that he's had 20,000 lies plus documented, according to the Washington Post. Sometimes it's fun to go through that list, fun being maybe the wrong term. Interesting to go through that list and just pick a number at random, 11,426. There's the lie. There's the documentation. You got to feel for the people who chronicle these things. It's a lot of work. But I'm just asking how many more will die. I mean, 200,000 are dead. It's likely much higher than that. Some studies suggest that as many as 10 times as many people have coronavirus as have been reported. I don't know that it's that high, 
But even if it's just two or three times, how many hundreds of thousands has Trump already killed? 300,000, 400,000? Even if it's only 200,000, that's a lot of Americans that would be alive today. It's a lot of people's parents, fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers, and yes, sometimes kids. We all know that Donald Trump admitted to Bob Woodward that he knew that kids could get the virus, even though he lied about it just yesterday. Because as he told Bob Woodward, he wanted to play it down. He didn't want American people to know how dangerous it was. He didn't want them to stop what they were doing and wear masks the way they had to do in places like South Korea and Italy and France and England and Japan and every other nation on the earth, given that we have the highest death rate in the world. No nation comes close to number of people dead from this virus. Remember, the whole world, the whole world got this virus. It didn't start in Texas. It started on the other side of the planet, in China. And it spread to the entire globe. South Korea is a heck of a lot closer to China than we are, as is Japan and Singapore and New Zealand and Australia, and they're all handling it much better. So is Europe. So is Canada. Canadians aren't that different from us, but their death rate is in the hundreds, not in the hundreds of thousands. I think while we have a thousand plus die a day, I think their death rate yesterday was like 40. But to a Trumpist, it doesn't matter, right? They're true believers. Herman Cain, Republican, believed in Donald Trump, went to a rally without a mask because that's what the president wanted and died. I didn't see too much discussion among Republicans about the death of Herman Cain. I doubt they could look at a camera given that their rhetoric killed the man. But let's put aside the 200, 300, 400,000 Americans Trump has already killed. By the way, only 400,000 or so servicemen died in World War II. That was over four years. We've had half that number in six months. Putting that aside, how many more will die? Well, even by the time Joe Biden, if he's elected, becomes president, another 100,000, 150,000, they say, maybe another 200,000 will be dead because of Trump's malfeasance in office. I do think once Biden's elected, the numbers will start to go down. It takes time. But I suspect that they will peak under Trump and finally start to go down under a competent president. I'm not just talking about the virus. Let's talk about health care. One of the reasons why Trump wants to ram through a Supreme Court justice, he wants to take your health care away. Trump fervently believes that if you have a pre-existing condition, you have a genetic condition, you have something that's not your fault that you were born with, a treatable condition that if you don't have money, you should die. Die. And die quickly, please. Because if you stick around, it's going to cost money. Trump says he has a plan to help people with pre-existing conditions. He said it's going to be show up in weeks. He said it would show up in weeks three months ago and six months ago and a year ago and two years ago and three years ago and four years ago during his campaign. He said it would show up in weeks. 
He has a magic plan whereby he takes everybody off their insurance, lets them all die, but magically they're all rehealed. I'm not quite sure how it happens. Maybe it's hydroxychloroquine. I have to check the. He has no plan, obviously. It may be that Trump can kill more by by destroying the Affordable Care Act than by COVID. I don't know. It'd be an interesting comparison. Well, he killed several hundred thousand by. 300, 400,000 by COVID. He killed 400,000 by taking away people's health care. Fun game. Oh, and let's not forget sheer cruelty. There are still kids today in cages. Three-year-olds, six-year-olds, forcibly separated from their parents whom they will never see again. Now, most of us think that what happened to Japanese Americans during World War II when whole families were rounded up and put in detention camps having done nothing wrong, or what the Chinese are doing to the Uyghur Muslims. Again, whole families rounded up, put in concentration camps who've done nothing wrong. We think these are bad things. This, of course, is much worse. Here, Trump is separating families. I can't think of a dictator evil enough to separate families since, well, Adolf Hitler. Now he gassed them. We haven't gassed the immigrants yet, although we've killed a few of them. Guards have raped some of them. But just think how cruel it is to rip a child away from his grieving mother, from her grieving father, Think about your kids and how you'd feel if the government ripped them away from you and they were never allowed to even know who you are. They couldn't contact you because they didn't even know their real names at age one or two or three. That will continue if Donald Trump is reelected. Sheer cruelty. That's not it, of course. We'll have many, much more gun violence. Republicans seems to revel in gun violence. Oh, yeah, massacres. Yeah, yeah, nothing we can do. Oh, well. They defend the guy in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who drives from Illinois with his gun. And I haven't even gotten to how they treat protesters yet. Republicans are not just a threat to democracy. They're a threat to American life itself. And we'll finish right after this break. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. I know it's been a pretty grim show today. I recognize that our nation is facing its greatest threat possibly since the Civil War, maybe since the Great Depression. I don't know that we really need to compare. We are in danger. In mentioning the threats of this presidency continued, continuing, I didn't even get to the wildfires in California, in Oregon, Washington State, where the sky is orange because climate change is winning and we're doing nothing about it and this president is only making things worse. The fact that our sky is orange and we've had the greatest wildfires in American history and record temperatures north of the Arctic Circle, including over 100 north of the Arctic Circle, 
tells you how much danger we're in. That's not even the lead story. I promised you the video from Olivia Troy. I will play it for you. You should hear in her own words because she's a conservative Republican who worked for Donald Trump. Excuse me, she worked for Mike Pence. She worked for the vice president. And that's why I want you to hear her words. This is not some liberal. This is someone who is truly horrified by what she saw in her government. I'm Olivia Troy. I was Homeland Security and Counterterrorism Advisor to Vice President Pence and served as Vice President Pence's lead staff member on the COVID-19 response. You know, I've been on the COVID task force from day one. I mean, the virus was very unpredictable at the beginning. There were a lot of unknowns, but towards the middle of February, we knew it wasn't a matter of if COVID would become a big pandemic here in the United States, it was a matter of one. But the president didn't want to hear that because his biggest concern was that we were in election year and how is this going to affect what he considered to be his record of success. It was shocking to see the president saying that the virus was a hoax, saying that everything's okay when we know that it's not. The truth is he doesn't actually care about anyone else but himself. He made a statement once that was very striking. I never forgot it because it pretty much defined who he was. When we were in a task force meeting, the president said, maybe this COVID thing is a good thing. I don't like shaking hands with people. I don't have to shake hands with these disgusting people. Those disgusting people are the same people that he claims to care about. These are the people still going to his rallies today who have complete faith in who he is. If the president had taken this virus seriously, or if he had actually made an effort to tell how serious it was, he would have slowed the virus spread. He would have saved lives. It was the opportunity in honor of a lifetime to be able to serve in the White House. I put my heart and soul into this role every single day. But at some point, I would come home at night, I would look myself in the mirror and say, are you really making a difference? Does it matter? Because no matter how hard you work and what you do, the president is gonna do something that is detrimental to keeping Americans safe, which is why you signed up for this role. It was awful. It was, it was terrifying. I have been a Republican for my entire life. I am a McCain Republican, I am a Bush Republican, and I am voting for Joe Biden because I truly believe we are at a, a time of constitutional crisis. At this point, it's country over party. We face a true crisis in our democracy, one that we have never seen before. Worse than the McCarthy era, worse than the 1930s. The only time I can think of that is similar would be the Civil War. As I mentioned, we already have a minority government and we'll have a clear minority when the Republicans vote to elect a Supreme Court justice. When the minority president rejected by the American people by millions of votes and the minority Senate, rejected by the vast majority of Americans, choose a Supreme Court justice whose views are antithetical to the vast majority of Americans. This, my friends, is dictatorship. This is apartheid. This is a minority controlling the majority. This is not consent of the governed. I'm afraid Abraham Lincoln's prayer, the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth, well, it's not perishing in Canada or France or the UK, but it's perishing here in these United States a week before the election. But we can revive it. I still 
think we will have some semblance of a free election. I recognize that the Republicans will put their thumb on the scale. They've said, despite the fact that the Constitution of the United States bans poll taxes, that in Florida, we're going to have poll taxes. We've got to keep the black people from voting as they strip black people of their right to vote in Georgia, remove black people from the voting rolls in violation of the Voting Rights Act, as they work to make sure that those of us who vote by mail are disenfranchised, as they work to make sure that ballots are not counted. In Pennsylvania, a court just ruled that if you don't put your ballot in the right envelope, and 6% of voters in the last election did not, you lose your right to vote. We're finding that there now that Donald Trump is saying he doesn't believe in the peaceful transfer of power, even if he loses the election. If he loses, then by definition, it must be rigged. And he's going to look to try to get states to invalidate their own people's election. And who knows who his toady attorney general will indict all of the opponents, perhaps, of Donald Trump, given that our Justice Department no longer cares about justice. We are teetering at the edge of the end of democracy. When Michael Bloomberg offered to pay the former felons of Florida's poll taxes so that they could vote, he's being investigated. I guess that would have happened, too, if a white person in Mississippi tried to pay black people's poll taxes. Republicans all across the country are struggling to maintain power because they know that the people do not want them in power. They know that the only way they can win is by cheating. And that's why they're cheating right and left. They're accepting aid from Russia. They're squelching information from Russia. From the CIA, they're refusing to let our intelligence branches tell us about the threats from Donald Trump's boss, Vladimir Putin. Is he going to disallow legitimate ballots now? Is he trying to fill the Supreme Court so that when the inevitable election case comes and Roberts, believing at least in his country more than his party, joins with the three liberals to say that every vote should be counted, maybe there'll still be five justices that say, no, we don't allow vote counting in America. Vote counting is wrong. We hate democracy. We impose our will on the public. Then what will happen? Will people take to the streets? Will there be violence? Will there be civil war? We have never had a government in American history where every single branch of government is a minority. Never. Where the president was rejected. And listen, if Donald Trump wins electoral count, I'm quite confident he'll lose the majority of the American people. Where the Senate is rejected by the American people. Where the House is more Republican than it would be if the American people all had equality under the law as our Constitution is supposed to have. Where the Supreme Court no longer reflects the American people. Gutting campaign finance laws. What will the Supreme Court do? Make sure that more women die from illegal abortions as they strive their best to control their own autonomy, but the Supreme Court says, no, no, you've got to bear your rapist kid. If someone rapes you, he has a right to your baby. That's likely coming from the US Supreme Court. Think about it, women or men who care about women. Women will be raped and the rapist will have a right to that child or the woman goes to jail. 
We know as they increase the power of corporations, as they try to exclude immigrants from the census counts, despite the fact that the Constitution says every person must be counted, as they work to gerrymander every state in the United States to favor Republicans, as they make sure that a few rich people get to control our campaign finance, as they work most especially to remove black Americans from the voting rolls with almost surgical precision. Don't be surprised by Donald Trump saying that he doesn't believe in the peaceful transfer of power. Don't be surprised by that. Who do you think he is? Adams, Jefferson? No, his heroes are Putin and Turkey's Erdogan and North Korea's Kim Jong-un. And how do we know this? Because he said so. These are the people he looks up to. He loved the Premier Xi of China back when Xi was cracking down on Hong Kong protesters. He praised him for his handling of the coronavirus before condemning him to try to get the press off his back. Do you not recognize that your country is teetering on the edge? I need your help, folks. I need you not just to go out and vote. I need to, you to make sure that every single person you know gets out and votes. And not just for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but in the Senate, in the House of Representatives, in your state legislature. Please do not forget your state legislature. I'm speaking of this as a state legislator. We need Democrats up and down the ballot. If Biden only wins by three or 4%, they can and will steal this thing. The only way forward for American democracy is for Biden to win in a landslide, and I need you to make that happen. This is Mark Levine signing off. Mark, we're still live on the live stream, so if you wanna um, take Michael, we actually are still open. Oh, we are, okay. Yeah. I, you know what? There. I will. I thought my time was up. So well, it is on radio, but that. we can we have unlimited here on the All live right. stream. So fair enough. And All Michael's right. been waiting a long time. So okay. uh, live from the Bronx, <laughs> it's old faithful. Michael, you 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 can't. I I had to get all my words out, but know. now I have time for you. So please let's chat. What is so upsetting to me, Mark, is first of all, you gave every single reason why Trump is losing more and more supporters. He certainly didn't have the Democrat support because Democrats knew how the hell he was. He lost the independence vote, and now we're finding more and more Republicans um, turning against him as well. It's like when enough is enough. And the thing that gets me ticked off, I've had even a debate with people in my own church. The church is divided as much as the Republican Party is divided. And say, oh, you got to vote for Donald Trump because he's pro-life and we got to overturn abortions and Roe v. Wade. I'm like, just stop for a minute. Trump is not pro-life. And the prime example is what you have cited, Mark, the COVID-19 that's yeah. 200,000 This people. idea that, that churches are saying, you know, we really, really want to save all that sperm and egg and fetuses, but we don't give a damn about our old people dying. What kind of church is that? What kind of church is it that says, That's yeah, 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 all our parishioners can die. We just want to make sure that poor black women have more babies. I, mm, uh, you know, it, it, goes, it goes more than that, though, Mark. It goes more than that. And I thought I would have some reasonable Republicans 
in the you know in the church, just like you're finding Joe Scarborough being more and more reason reasonable, and other Republicans that are speaking out against. Yep, absolutely. And God bless him. God bless him for that. But it's like, how the hell is it you're going to be trivializing abortion? And we just mentioned the COVID-19. That's not even adding the number, the thousands of people dead from violence that he has perpetrated and decided, usually along racial lines, police shootings or non-police shootings. You know, it's I'm wondering when, when people protest. Trust. Here's what I'm wondering. When, when he, if he tries to steal the election, and I'm sure he will, uh, I, I've he basically said he, he basically said he will, uh, and he refuses to accept the results. And people come out in the streets and protest. Is he going to order the military to tear gas and rubber bullet the Americans? Will we become Belarus or Hong Kong or or Tiananmen Square or or the Russian Revolution? Are we going to? And if so, will the military then go up against our police? I mean, I fear civil war, Michael. I really do. I we, fear we, civil war. First, if, if we, we gotta, don't have a, a democracy where we can trust who our leaders are, and we don't believe that the election is fair, and even if Biden wins fair, fairly, then Trump's going to send his people out in the streets to go out. I mean, he is truly doing thing. his best to lead us into civil war. It's really scary. That's the thing, Mark. That's the thing. You just hit the nail on the head. It's not the military because the military is already fed up with um, Trump after the way he just trash talked them after all the sacrifices they made. Though that so-called military police, as far as I'm concerned, that's a fake police. Those are what I was told um, mercenaries and vigilantes just because they have a word police patch on their chest don't make it so that i tell you some of them are michael no patch we we know but, because but we, the thing um, is yeah we, we looked and saw who those police were uh because in dc donald trump violated folks constitutional rights to peacefully protest and tear gas and rubber bulleted you know and, and truly injured people uh and who who do you have to do it he actually had ice to do it he had his, the immigration police do it. The, the folks who were at the borders who, I guess, hate Latinos and, and you know, that's why many of them get their jobs. I, I don't know. I'm sure some of them are good people, but I haven't seen many of them are, that are good people. Anyway, you know, we don't have a yeah, border sure. in D.C. We don't. We don't. We don't. We're not. We don't have illegal immigrants that are flying coming into the District of Columbia. You can't even fly internationally into the district. You can fly into airports around it. Um, what were they doing there? Well, I think ICE may be the one government branch that still supports Donald Trump. As I said, maybe they just hate immigrants. It's a shame because we used to have honorable people serve, but these people are not honorable people. Let me say this. If you follow orders and you shoot an American protester who's peacefully protesting with a rubber bullet and blind them or tear gas them or cause them to have respiratory injuries, you, sir, are a terrorist. You are not part of the government. We learned in World War II with the Nuremberg Laws, you can't say I was just following orders. You know the Constitution of the United States that gives every American the right to peaceably assemble. If you violate the Constitution of the United States, I don't care that the president told you to do it. It's as wrong as the Germans who said they were just following orders. So, And um, I, will also yeah. add, I will also add that those are giving such orders or inciting people to do that, are there they're even terrorists worse? as well. Well, they're, they're, even they're terrorists as well. That's why it's important, everybody, to understand that Biden could win by a landslide, but Trump 
will try to get this overturned and um, have it go in his favor. He's already on record saying, get rid of the ballots and we'll have a peaceful continuation. He's like, that sounds to me, he wants to abolish election day all in all and turn this into an authoritarian dictatorship. If this minority Supreme Court, chosen by a president rejected by the American people and a Senate rejected by the American people, were to declare Trump the winner when all the localities make clear that Biden is the winner, I think the answer is we don't accept that either. We all go out into the streets and we defend our country. I mean, that- And it's not just the presidency, but also the Senate too. That remember, 24 I mean, I'm a little worried that the Supreme Court, they're afraid that if Democrats win, we're going to try to right the injustice. We're going to try to expand the court to stop the Republican court packing. And so in order to keep their power, remember, when, when, you're, when you have them, so I, I was elected in my district by a majority, a solid majority of the people I represent. Actually, I got more than 90%. And that was, leg- and that was right. legitimate too. For right. The so what that means is that I can speak very freely and I'm not afraid of debate. I'm not afraid of having, uh, of, of having free elections because I believe that the people I represent mostly, largely, vast majority support what I do. That gives me confidence. I can walk around with pride. I can allow free and fair debate. If someone, I've had people protest outside my house. And as long as they don't bring guns, they're welcome to protest outside my house. There's nothing wrong with that. They don't scare me. But when you know you're illegitimate, you know you're insecure, you know that you're that the people hate you and want you out of government, but you're only getting there because of rigged elections and technical tricks in the law and basically manipulating the law to suppress the vote, then you become, well, like the Egyptian dictator or the Iraqi dictator or the Chinese dictator, the Russian dictator, you do what you can in order to maintain power. And that's why you have to suppress dissent and protest. You know, confident, freely elected leaders don't feel as I don't hide from the press. Because I believe I'm right, right, and I know that the people support me. It's only when you're a dictator, only when you know you're wrong, only when you're in minority power because you've basically rigged an election or used a rigged system, those are the people that fear dissent. And that's why Republicans fear dissent so much, because they know that they, the American people have solidly rejected them. And the only way to knock them into their senses and get a party that, rep- that respects democracy again is to have a massive, massive landslide, so massive that it's way beyond the margin of cheating, and to basically punish, punish those that would attack our democracy. If you commit treason with Russia, if you go out and you assault a reporter, if you tear gas or shoot rubber bullets uh, at, at protesters, if you go out there and, and suppress dissent, or, or I think it should be a criminal act to intentionally remove voters from the voting rolls for political reasons, whether you're suppressing the black vote or the youth vote or the absentee vote. I'd like to say minimum, and I don't believe in mandatory minimums, but I'm fine with this one, a mandatory minimum of 10 years in jail for anyone who tries to suppress a legal voter. Voting fraud is extremely rare, but voter suppression is very common. And maybe if we put those people in jail, we, we, we would, folks would finally recognize that Jim Crow is wrong and the 60s are over and poll taxes are 
not allowed in our Constitution, and we need to make sure that that these laws are forever gone. Go ahead, Michael. And and then and then since you're on that note, Laura, one major thing to do is go back to the death of Breonna Taylor, of George Floyd, and the numerous of African Americans killed by racist police or even racist non-police. Remember what I said to you before, that with these Republicans, the people of color are mainly Democratic voters. They know this. And thus, for every minority that is annihilated or incarcerated, that is one less opposition vote for them to contend with. So with that in mind and what you had just just said, we are these aren't these people were they not registered voters? And why the hell is it Republicans always gotta find some kind of BS excuse as to why that shooting was justified and why the police did this or did that. But when we go to audio, we go to video and we go to Trump's stinking tweets is always a contradiction amongst that party within themselves. They always contradict themselves as to terms of principle and what the facts are. And they can never, ever explain how the hell is it that you want to justify and excuse a cop killing an unarmed person of color thinking, well, we thought they had a gun, we feared for our lives. But then you cops white cops are on video exercising restraint against a guy clearly armed and pointing a damn right. gun at you. That's and, right. And you're That's not right. firing right. The at, white guy at comes with a gun into Michigan, uh, the Michigan Capitol, and uh, shouts in the face of someone without a mask, possibly infecting them, and nothing is done. With the COVID. 17-year-old boy from Illinois, white boy, comes with his AR-15, or I forget which semi-automatic assault weapon he had, drives into Wisconsin at the time when police are in armored cars telling black protesters to go home. They're welcoming the white kid with the gun who shoots dead, who murders two innocent people and um, puts his hands up and they won't even accept him as he tries to surrender to them. We have major systemic racism in our police and anyone our departments anyone who doesn't recognize that doesn't have their eyes open that doesn't mean that every cop is is a racist what it means is that there is a systemic problem and we are working in virginia and many blue states to finally change our laws to get rid of it i'm very proud of what we're doing here uh but the only way it's ever going to happen in wisconsin is to take back the wisconsin government the same is true in minnesota the same is true in kentucky you know, Breonna Taylor did not get justice because the attorney general of Kentucky did not want to give her justice. And, and you don't think I'm sorry, Mark, have and to you, vote him out of office. Yeah. You don't think you don't think that um, the U.S. attorney general, Bill Barr, who people are calling the personal attorney for Trump, had anything to do with that? Because remember, Trump is I, I, don't, I don't know. I, not, nothing Bill Barr would do would surprise me right now. Um, This is a man who has zero respect for the Constitution, the rule of law of the United States of America. So um, I just think the best thing for this country would be to see Bill Barr and Donald Trump in matching orange jumpsuits. 
because I just, I think oh yeah, that they're, they're, they are true existential threats to the United States. Their crimes are greater than the police officer who murders an innocent black person. Their crimes are greater. That is they true. are trying to murder our democracy itself. And, and everything, and everything we're just, yep, and everything we're discussing here, because I don't know how much time you have left, but everything we're discussing here, we need to keep note of this because of Trump and these Republicans getting so doggone desperate as they know they're given a million and one reasons for the nation to be voting against them, and they don't want to listen to the people as they should be. It's, it's like their, their mantra is, I don't care what the people say. I stay in office. I'm the one that is law and order, and I and I alone give the orders and make the decisions, and everyone must bow down to me. And it's because well, you they know don't the like the democracy itself. Republicans are opposed Even though they to democracy took an itself. Oath to they it. didn't used to be. They didn't used to be, but they are now. And I think that's yep. why so many good people are former Republicans. Even conservatives, like George Will. George Will and I don't agree on much when it comes to f political philosophy. But George Will, to his credit, recognizes that though he is a conservative, we can get past, conservatives can get past a liberal president, liberals can get past a conservative president, but none of us can get past an authoritarian one. Once you lose democracy, right. it's almost impossible to get it back. And democracies do decline. We saw Russia had democracy for a few months, Turkey had democracy for 60 years, and it's over now. We have to fight for our American mm -hmm. democracy and recognize that the fact that you and I, Michael, could speak to each other and have people listen to us, that free speech may be the last thing that we can do. And we have to use that in order to get people out to vote and reclaim our democracy because we have barely managed to survive four years of Donald Trump. I sincerely don't believe we could survive eight. And with that, Michael, I'm gonna have nope. to say goodbye. Thanks for calling in. I have to go also. Thank Tune you. In next Stay week, safe. Everybody. All right. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this extended broadcast of the Inside Scoop. We'll talk more next week. And, Mark, just to put one final point on that, people can yeah. go to IWillVote.com to make a voting plan, make Great. sure they're registered to vote, uh, their options for vote by mail or vote in person. And um, it, it's very helpful for all of those things. Excellent. Thank you, Mark, for that. And uh, with that, this is Mark Levine signing off.